At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks. If we can't move, we can't podcast. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sip Pop Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings are available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. I'm a deer. <laughs> I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and we are the same, he and I. We are two odd, lonely children reaching for eternity. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Nope, sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> I am Cornpolio! <laughs> We're going. We're going full Beavis and Butthead today, uh, oh, yeah. along with Elvis, uh, Belvis and Butthead. Uh, <laughs> be a different. You're movie. a hound dog. <laughs> you know the two odd, lonely children reaching for eternity. Strangely, not about the Beavis and Butthead movie. That's actually from. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's oh, actually good from the pull. Elvis movie. That's, good uh, pull. That's where that came from. Uh, each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from Pop Culture Universe is on our minds. In case I didn't yep. already say that, uh, we've also got Best Ever Challenge today, Best Ever Musical Biopics. Music ones, you say. Music ones, I say, yes. Andrew had a little last-second shuffling uh, to yeah. do uh, after finding out <laughs> the musical part. <laughs> One day I'll learn to read, because I just read Best Ever Biopics. And you know how many musical biopics were in the list that I originally sent, Phil? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Nicely done. So, uh, yeah. We will get there. Uh, got a couple of reviews and, of course, our uh, buried treasure uh, eventually as well. Thanks for joining us on a Monday. I've been on vacation yeah. a little bit, uh, hanging out in Florida, uh, having some fun, and uh, decided to come back and immediately start podcasting again. And so... Here we go. Get right back into the swing of things, huh? Right back into it. In fact, let's get into it. Let's chat first about Elvis. In that moment, Elvis the man was sacrificed, and Elvis the god was born. I'm going to show you what the real Elvis is like tonight. You're looking for trouble? You came to the right place. 
looking for trouble? Look right in my face. He had no idea what he had done. The life story of Elvis Presley is seen through the complicated relationship with his enigmatic manager, Colonel Tom Parker. Parker. Austin Butler stepping in um, as Elvis Presley. Tom Hanks as Tom Parker. Uh, what did you think, Andrew? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, or hate it, or it was just okay? <clears throat> I loved it. Nice. Phenomenal movie, phenomenal movie. What'd you think? That's interesting. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, I, hmm, I, I'm going to go with high side of liked it, I think is where I'm going to end up on this one. Okay. For some very specific reasons that we will get into, but yeah, go It's off. not without its problems, this movie. Go, uh, go on with, uh, with your, uh. With your love for the movie. Okay. You know me. I am a stickler for good performances. If a movie is, you know, filled with good performances, and there's a really high probability that I'm going to come away liking it. And I also love technology, so the fact that they were able to go back in time and get not only Elvis Presley, but also <laughs> Colonel Parker. <laughs> I mean, Austin Butler is Elvis in this movie. It's, fun- it's actually kind of like eerie at first like he is so much of elvis because and i think the thing that a lot of people would be afraid with a movie like this is it's easy to do you know an elvis impression Mm. you know and then fall into you know ho 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 you know and it would just Mm -hmm. come across as campy and bad no i mean he it feels like he embodies everything that is elvis and not only that i mean Tom Hanks needs to stop being so good. I mean, it's not fair to the rest of the actors in Hollywood because <laughs> he's always going to get the call first. Uh, the uh, I don't know who the uh, the uh, the makeup department or whoever they hired to uh, mm-hmm. get all him and the prosthetics and everything, but wow, he transformed. Both of these guys transformed. And you know, normally I'll, I'll run on here and rave about one actor. You know you know, trans transcending mm-hmm. into a role. Here we have our two leads both transcending and becoming totally different people and two very recognizable people. One, probably the most recognizable person in America. In a, <laughs> it's in, in the history of music. In the yeah. history of music, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's possible. Um, I can go with you on half of that. I think uh, Austin Butler is amazing. I don't think Tom Hanks is that good in this movie. Ooh, um, I gotta hear this. No, I just I and, and I'm wondering if if part of it is maybe he's too good. Maybe maybe this is exactly who Tom Parker was. But I was just I didn't I just didn't buy this performance. I didn't buy this character. I didn't buy it. Just seemed really strange and weird. It took me out of the movie um, in many ways. Uh, like how? Like you don't believe that this is how he acted, or it, yeah, it is... felt like an SNL, you know, like caricature kind of skit kind of thing to me. Okay, um, but that could have just been me. That could have just been, and maybe maybe Tom Parker was like that in real life. I don't know. I don't have a lot of necessarily familiarity with him, but I didn't. I didn't understand the accent he was doing. I didn't understand Holland. What's that? Holland. Holland. Ho- Holland is where. Colonel oh, the place! I thought I thought you were saying Tom Holland for some reason. I was like, Oh no, 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 <laughs> no, like, no! He no, yeah, that's a little bit different. No, uh, mm-hmm. the, I forget his name is like Ans, um, Anson or something like that. The original, like his real name, but he is like a 
a, a no country, like he was a citizen, a world citizen. So mm-hmm. he just traveled the world and he was from Holland. Yeah. Um, so, so the accent didn't work for me and the performance didn't necessarily work for me. However, I will completely 100, uh, 100% back you up on the Elvis thing. I think Austin Butler is uh, just absolutely astonishing um, in this role and probably worth the price of admission alone. The, the, other thing, the other thing I really enjoyed about this movie is I like the way Baz Luhrmann makes movies. I just, there's something yeah. so kinetic. And if you're going to take this long to tell me a story, right? Like if you're going to take two hours and 40 minutes and try to cover this entire person's life, you're going to kind of have to put it in fast forward a few times. And nobody does that better than Baz Luhrmann. Like the, the, you can feel like you're skipping over chunks sometimes, but in this case, it just felt like, no, we're just kind of going to give you the, you know, kind of the, the big highlight, you know, reel of this section that we're kind of moving past. And I really dug that. I, I dug the energy of it. It gave it something fresh for me. I liked the Baz Luhrmann of it all um, for me. Yeah, I think that, as you said, Baz Luhrmann has a style where he really pushes... He doesn't like to stay in one place for too long, mm-hmm. um, unless it's necessary, because <clears throat> I think the way that this movie flows is it's trying to give you the sense of how quickly uh, Elvis became this iconic figure. So the f- super fast pace, you know, of everything moving fast for him. And then, you know, like, I wouldn't say halfway, towards, like, the second end of the beginning you know uh, there's a tragedy that happens and then the and then the tempo you know drastically goes down you know mm-hmm. but then right after that it picks right back up again you know it's it's interesting i will say to the movie's minor detriment one of my one of my only negatives with it is it was difficult to like place where we when we were you know because mm-hmm. uh all of a sudden, he's like, uh, oh, oh, my, order, oh, I'm getting, huh? It pretty much goes in order, though. You just mean oh, that I'm not the, saying I'm not saying that it's not uh, okay uh, linear. I'm saying that it's like a like how far have we from the, our last scene mm-hmm. until the next scene? Like how far? Like he was at a concert and then all of a sudden he's being drafted. I'm like, was this a year after this? Was it you know two mm-hmm. years after mm-hmm. the concert or yeah. being in jail? You know something like that. Yeah, it, it really does kind of jump to those major points. That minute, that's my own, that's so minute, but that's really my only comment. Well, and, I, and again, I kind of liked that part of it. I, I kind of liked that we didn't have to spend a lot of time. We've talked about, I think even recently, how the, the, the thing that most people are doing with biopics now is they're taking a moment and they're just telling the story of that moment and then maybe layering in some flashbacks or that kind of stuff. Uh, it has been a while since we've seen somebody go full life and just go, oh, we're telling the whole life story of this person. And how do you do that in a modern age? And I think Baz gives it his best shot, you know? Yeah, um, because it's it's a biopic that's not told from the main uh, focus's viewpoint. Mm-hmm. This is Elvis's life through the colonel's eyes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's it's... You know, you miss out on, like, his childhood and stuff. Yes, we get, like, quick flashbacks, but the movie doesn't have to, you know, you know, spend that much time. It just, it's I as mean, if, it's it's just as, it feels like it's as if Elvis was telling the colonel, this is how I, you know, fell in love with music or something. And then right. the colonel quickly told us, too. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely all narrated by the colonel, and but I do feel like we got plenty of the growing up, like enough at least to kind of give us, um, you know, what we needed to understand his musical influences, and a lot of that stuff is definitely played later as a callback and an echo, and yeah. so well. Yeah. Uh- as an example, you know, Walk the Line starts with Johnny Cash as a kid. We see the tragedy mm-hmm. with his brother, and then we see him right. gradually grow up. Here, we meet the colonel, and then we already see a, a grown-up Elvis. So he's still young in his career. Like, he, he's a, he's un, uh, undiscovered. But, you know, we're really getting, like, quick. We're right into the, the music of Elvis. What's your familiarity with uh, Elvis before this movie? Uh, my mom played him all the time. Uh, she's actually in the lo- or in the theater right now watching it. So oh, fun, <laughs> yeah. Fun. Uh, so, but it was really my my grandma Ronsi, and that's who my mom took to the movie theaters. Like she's been to Graceland, you know. She's been. I I, I know Elvis's music, and I think I saw a documentary once forever long ago to where I don't remember anything. But during this movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I remember seeing that. In mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I don't know that much. Yeah, I was pretty familiar with the music, obviously, yeah. and have heard most of the songs. Um, I had bits and pieces of familiarity with some of the career movements, you know, the Vegas thing, uh, the special. Like, I was aware of all that stuff. But just kind of in a vague way, not necessarily a specific way. So for me, the other one of the other things I really liked about this movie was I found it to be educational. I found it to be to do that thing that I like where a movie is like, I'm going to tell you the interesting stuff. So now you kind of know the interesting stuff. And certainly it's a movie. So maybe what I'm seeing is in 100% correct. So there's always that. But you for know. all we know, it's as authentic as Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> for as much as I love Fair. that movie. Fair. For as much as I love that movie. It's a... Hard call it by uh, speaking of Bohemian Rhapsody, another thing to mention is I do not believe Austin Butler did the singing in this movie. So that's definitely, for me, worth mentioning because yeah. for me, it shades the performance just a little bit. Um, I mean, he did such a good job of uh, you know, lip syncing it that mm-hmm. I, uh, I couldn't tell. I no, I couldn't either. Guessed it. It's an incredible performance. I could have guessed it was him singing. Yeah. yeah, it's an incredible performance. I always just like it when the performer is like that next level can also sing, but you know. Yeah. It's when you're dealing with Elvis or Freddie Mercury. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. Um, so, yeah. so yeah. Sometimes you got to get the, you can't the just ringer. Sing. You can't just sing well mm-hmm. when you're doing these guys. There was something about their, you know, the way they carry themselves and their vocal tones had such a unique, you know, uh, sound to them mm-hmm. that it's really hard to find somebody that looks. And sounds like them, too. So I don't give the movie too much flack for that. No, and it's not bad. And for a lot of the songs that are recorded in high enough quality, they're actually using the Elvis recordings and then kind of Mm -hmm. mixing it with, you know, some of Butler's stuff. I guess he did sing some of the early stuff that there aren't like high you know, quality recordings of. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not, you know, it's not necessarily an all or nothing kind of thing. but yeah, uh, one of the other things I really liked about this, I loved, loved the costuming, the design, all that kind of stuff was really cool. I felt like it had a little bit of extra oomph on it from like Baz Lerm. It felt a little bit Moulin Rouge at times. I'm like, I yeah. wonder if it was exactly like that. 
it's Vegas. Um, he was yeah. a showman, you know. I th- I think that the, that could be pretty authentic too, because mm-hmm. for all the stuff I've seen, I never saw Elvis. You know, in like an Apollo in jeans. <laughs> Every single picture I see of Elvis, <laughs> he's wearing that bedazzled, you know, show jacket and everything. So, but yeah, yeah. that's right up Baz's alley as far as costume design. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, the stylization, all that kind of stuff is, is pretty amazing. Um, I'm going to go to a question from the chat just cause I, I, I do want to address it. Um, the question is about how triggering is the Priscilla Presley stuff involving the fact that she was so young, uh, when she, she met Elvis. And I will just say, I don't think the movie touches on it at all. Really? I think it just no. shows them as having a beautiful love story. Um, I believe she was 14. When they met, I don't know how old she was when they got married. Yeah, the movie didn't say that because I did not know that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he was 24 and she was 14 when they met. Um, And I'm not sure when they got married, um, but I can look that up. We've got a thing called the internet. Uh, They got married seven years later. So he would have been 31 and she would have been 21 uh, when they got married. So... So, yeah. So, I mean, the movie doesn't touch on those seven years really at all. All of that is just like you see a date that they're on where they're talking when it looks like she's in college, actually. No, she's at home. No, she's at home. That was or was that a college dorm? Were they're talking? No, that was her house. Like, I guess her father was the uh, whenever he was drafted and he was overseas, Mm -hmm. you know, in the army. I guess that was her father was an army officer and he was having a party or something and he. She was there. I don't think yeah, that's supposed the, to be the moment they met, but um, yeah. but yeah, if it I, was, I don't think she was supposed to be 14 in the movie. So I think uh, the movie completely just doesn't address that at all. That's that's not what it's doing. Uh, yeah, something else that uh, the movie does, and I should say this, and I'm not saying that there are, it doesn't show really any controversies on Elvis's side. Like, a, mm-hmm. like for an instance, like him pursuing a younger woman, the movie is pretty cut and dry that Elvis is good and the colonel is bad, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So uh, it, it can feel like maybe a little bit of a biased biopic. Like, yeah, I'm sure Elvis has done some, you know, stuff. Make, make him human. Yes. Yeah. There was a little bit of that in Bohemian Rhapsody as well that in Freddie Mercury's... It, it, it's interesting because I thought coming out of that that it would that y- you couldn't really ignore Freddie Mercury's stuff and yet they tried to paint it as if like it was everybody else's fault that he made the decisions that he made and mm. I understand that but in this they literally don't even address like the whole later era of his life was so I mean he died at 42 of a drug overdose yeah. right like I mean this is this is something that dominated him and the movie just kind of brushes over it a little bit and I do think that yeah. is that is to the movie's detriment. I just I don't think that's the movie Baz Luhrmann wanted to make, but I do think it steals a little bit from the authenticity of the experience in understanding this person. This is the movie's called Elvis. Mm-hmm. Is it about Elvis or is it about the Colonel? This movie. It's <sighs> a good question. It's certainly from the perspective of the Colonel. Yeah, because um, I don't know if this movie is the Colonel pleading his case. Or if this movie is just Baz Luhrmann trying to show, yeah, the colonel was there and this is what he did. So I don't know if it's like, I don't know what the movie, it's difficult. I mean, he's the I, villain of the movie. Either way, he's the villain. Right. Either way, the colonel's the villain. Yeah. yeah. And, but, a, and kind of an unreliable narrator too, which is kind of 
interesting like in some ways. Yeah. I like that element too. He's like, yeah. why didn't he listen to me? You know, he's like, yeah. I told him not to shake his hips. You and know? maybe that's the excuse. Maybe that's the excuse for not touching some of that stuff because the colonel didn't care about that. So that's not the stuff he was interested in. He was interested in how he could use Elvis, you know, uh, not necessarily yeah. that other stuff um, might be, might be possibly what they would say, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, here's another main negative for me. Yeah. And I don't know that it's the movie's fault, but I'll just throw it out there. It is so difficult to do this style of, musical biopic when walk hard exists as a movie and i think there there is there were times during this movie where i just felt like it was ridiculous walk the line or walk hard no i mean walk hard um i i mean the parody um because that is such a picture perfect parody of the musical biopic that now when a musical biopic tries to do that stuff it almost feels silly and ridiculous and you know over the top and all i can think about is the parody that are you know really took it to task yeah i can tell you that walk hard never once entered my mind as i was watching it and i didn't even think about it until you brought it up i will say i was thinking all the time about walk the line mhm you know which well, Elvis is in, you know, he's in mm-hmm. Walk the Line. But yeah. um, it's just that I think the the that era of music was, you know, a renaissance in America. So whenever you have any biopic without, like, those guys, like B.B. Uh, King, Elvis, uh, Johnny Cash, uh, Bob Dylan, any of those guys, you know, it's, it's kind of going to have the same feel to it. The rebellion against, you know, a possible corrupt government, talking politics while trying to make music uh that's brought up in this movie you know they talk about uh bobby kennedy uh, martin luther king they talk about a couple things um i didn't this movie didn't go into race relations as much as i thought it thinks it did if that makes sense like i think the movie was I, i think the movie believed it was saying something about race relations but it never it was like dipping its toe in the pool without actually, you know, taking the actual leap. Yeah. That was another one of my negatives is it doesn't really wrestle with that at all. And again, it's apparently just not what this movie is trying to do, but there, there is the element of is Elvis, you know, uh, stealing music that he's heard from, um, African-American artists and may in using it using his whiteness to be able to make it more palatable to the south and uh to you know other americans and or is it a genuine influence right like is it just he he grew up in a black community and his influences were the you know the clubs where these blues singers were singing or the gospel churches um you know and that's where this movie kind of goes but it doesn't wrestle yeah, the movie with it leans anymore. towards the latter of those. oh for sure Be- and yeah. it doesn't but it doesn't even wrestle with it it just leans that way without yeah. ever really kind of wrestling with that idea or what that might mean um so yeah it's a real kind of hand wavy wink you know almost winking at um no winking's too strong but more hand wavy uh that's not what we're here to deal with um you know this was these were his influences um and I think a different movie could have handled that in an interesting way. So, yeah. 
I think that's right. Uh, do you know enough about Elvis to know like what was real and what was made up in this movie? No. No, yeah, I mean, um, I, I knew basics like a uh, Graceland. Uh, I knew I, I forgot the name, but I remembered it was the International Hotel. Like as the movie, because I knew like you know he, uh, you know he kind of made that his home towards the end of his life. But I forgot the name. But yeah, 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 not enough to where I can fact check. It's not like the Bohemian Rhapsody where I could go, yeah, that I don't think that didn't happen because you know I've read a lot about Freddie Mercury because he's my favorite. Yeah. Um, so, so I've just read like articles and some mm. of the basic stuff that was made up for the movie is Tom Parker was never against Elvis using his sex appeal. Like there was never this moment where he was like, tone that down, be more family Elvis, mm. be the new Elvis. That whole thing was kind of made up. Um, okay. He, Interesting. he was all for the, you know, the 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 carnival atmosphere right so he was all for you know bringing people wow. in and um, that's a big part of the movie it really is and that's yeah, why because, stu- that's why it stuck out to me yeah because um, like way. the the movie is really driving home the idea of the colonel wanted a he wanted the music but he wanted a family friendly face to plaster it on that he could merchandise yeah interesting yep um so yeah, that was that was pretty much uh, all I remember specifically from that. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of because again, movies are movies, right? Movies do movie stuff, and they change yeah, stuff uh, around. Besides, you know, Tom Hanks and Austin uh, Butler, um, all the other characters in the movie kind of blended together. Did that happen to you? Like. He's he's he brings in a couple of new managers, I think. Well, the whole Memphis Mafia thing is not like sketched out hardly. Like, there's one moment where it almost treats it like a jackass intro or something, where it's like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the the stop frame as like we're going yeah. through the tour bus, and that's and it. Like, that's it. That's all we get to know. These like yeah, five like, or six people that are in the whole movie, <laughs> and they like, none of them have any dialogue. No, like no. why why introduce them in this manner? Other than, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, the movie does have issues, but when it comes to the music, the performances, and did this tug at my emotional heartstrings, it's 100% yes on all of those questions. Yeah. So, yeah, I love it. Uh, I guess the only other thing that I would say from the truth or fiction is uh, Elvis never fired Tom Parker from stage. That was all uh, dramatic license. Uh, from. It was great, though. It's great. It's a great it moment. It was great. It's a great moment. Uh, and, and that's, awesome, and that's but- the other thing. That's the other thing. Let's end in a positive. There are so many great movie moments in this movie. Like this, this, mm. this movie has several times where you're just like, this is amazing. The birth of Elvis or pelvis Elvis, you know, mm-hmm. like with the girls and stuff. I had, like that was one I, of my main walk hard vibes. Was during that scene. There's a whole scene parodying that in walk hard. I haven't seen walk hard since it came out in theater, yeah. so I couldn't I couldn't mention anything yeah. from it. But uh. But yeah, like, for as iconic a character as Elvis was, I think a lot of people need to know that he had some demons that, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that that's, that's the great thing about biopics for, uh, especially musicians. I say this not having seen many biopics about musicians, but the good thing that they do is we as the, the public can really, you know, 
glorify and deitize them. Deify. You know, deify them. Yeah, thank you. Um, And then you see in these biopics the the toll that that can take. Yes. Because they are people. Mm -hmm. They're very talented people, but they are people. They feel everything that you and I feel. And uh, yeah, I, I think that we... Uh, that's one of the beautiful things about biopics and that's why I really appreciate them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it is sad <clears throat> how many stories of the greats and like Elvis or Michael or Whitney Amy or Amy Winehouse or, I mean, we could list names probably for the next 30 minutes. Um, and that's sad. And that's, that's sad. very, very sad. And I was trying to think like, Fame is so hard to escape unscathed. You know, that kind of that kind of fame and power and celebrity is just very difficult. And I think people are more getting a handle on it now. And I think part of that also has to do with the fact that in some ways everybody's famous now. Like we all have an outlet to have an audience of some sort. And so there's more kind of growing up, there's a little more awareness of what it means to be in front of people or perform those kind of things but um like i feel like like taylor swift has kind of survived okay and she's kind of been at the top 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 you know so um i think it can happen it's just man it's clearly difficult it's got to be different back then than it is now because like you said because every single person today can have a level of fame you Mm -hmm. and i for as minimalistic as it is, we have a yes. level of fame. There you are know, ten people watching this live right now. <laughs> yeah, but like, do you have an like? How many weekly viewers do we have like on the show? Do you know? Uh, like listeners, like downloads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last I checked, it was somewhere in the three thousand range. Okay. Uh, per yeah. episode, usually by the time it's done, maybe maybe not during uh, the week. Um, but yeah, we okay. have about twelve thousand downloads a month overall. Okay. Something around those lines. Yeah. And I had, you know, back in the day, I had a YouTube channel. I had mm-hmm. 50,000 subscribers. What I'm, what, The point I'm trying to get at is the fact that everybody can have fame, like you said, and that fame is now in our modern times kind of spread out. Mm-hmm. Back in the day when you had Elvis and them, there were like 15, 20 famous musicians, you know? <laughs> so that, that yeah. fandom was really concentrated mm. on, a, an indiv- on individuals. And the access was supremely limited. Yes. So those moments where you got to be in the presence of fame or celebrity yeah. or whatever meant even more because you weren't watching your favorite musical artist's Instagram <laughs> or TikTok or you know whatever the case may be. So I don't think people you realize how you young tweet, the internet is. <laughs> you couldn't tweet Elvis, you know, and no. say at Elvis, great show last night. You know, like that just there's no access. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely different. Definitely different. Uh, any yeah. final thoughts on no post credit scene? Elvis, but there are during the uh, the credits. You have the uh, you know like uh, the audio of him like uh, talking and stuff, or doing uh, interviews, or even singing. I love it. It didn't even occur to me that this would be the perfect line to end the movie on, but it's the most famous thing anybody's ever said about Elvis, and I'm like. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That has to be. That, that has, has to be it. That, that has, has to be, be it. it. Why? Why? Why would I think it'd be anything else? Uh, I want to mention the family stuff. I think, like many things in this movie, it works, but it feels like it's it's there's not enough of it there. 
I think this movie, especially the mom stuff, really wants a powerful mm. moment out of the mom stuff, yeah. but it just there wasn't enough there for me to really find my way in on a deep level. Um, but I think Aaron, that happened several a, times. This is a two and a half hour movie. Do you say that there's anything in this movie that you would cut out to make room for? Man, I don't know. I don't know what you cut out. I that's I what either. I'm saying. I I you know. Um, You'd have to change the whole structure of the movie if you wanted to make it shorter. Yeah. Um, there's a, a world where there's a world where it's longer. In fact, I think uh, I I think Baz Luhrmann has said there's a four and a half hour cut. Oh my um, goodness! <laughs> I'd watch it. I would watch it. I don't know. I might just for the experience, but uh, but I like two and a half over four and a half. I think that, okay, this is a theory I've had forever, and I don't know if this is the time to get into this theory, but I'm doing it anyway. Do it. So, I think that whenever people, like, hear that, oh, there's a four-hour movie, oh, I'll never watch that, I'll never Mm -hmm. watch it, who has time for that? I think people, in their mind, they're they're confusing, I don't have time to watch it, as opposed to, I don't have time to watch it initially, and then if I like it, watch again and again and again. Right, right. I think that a lot of people think, Oh, it's a it's an hour and a half movie. I can watch it now, and I can see myself watching it. You know, once uh, once every three months or once a year or something like that. Because time is precious. So whenever you have a movie that's like mm-hmm. four and a half hours long, I think what people are saying is, yeah, I'll watch it initially, but I could probably never watch it again because it's so long. Yeah, that's yeah. my theory. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, it's true. I did find the article, uh, and it is a four hour cut. Um, that he has that he doesn't think people will, will see. Um, but yeah, put it on HBO Max or something. Do it. Who who was this? Was this a Warner Brothers movie? Yeah, Elvis Justice League. Um, coming soon. <laughs> uh, Elvis the Snyder Cut is going to be in four three. It's going to be great. <laughs> the Lerman Cut. Lerman Cut. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next review. Let's talk about Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Look at that number up there on the billboard. There's a two, and then um, some kind of circle. No, dumbass, not that number. That one. 69. <laughs> this show sucks. It's like just these fat people standing there. I am Corjolio! I need TV for my bunker! Who are you, fart knockers? Amusing, yes. Yes, humorous, yes. Satirical comment on the time. Yes, amusing. After a creative judge sentenced them to space camp, a black hole sends our adolescent heroes 24 years into the modern future where the duo misuses iPhones, embarks on a quest to score, and becomes targets of the deep state. Uh, This is on Paramount+. Plus. If you want to check it out, it is Mike Judge, who not only brought us uh, Beavis and Butthead, in the Beavis and Butthead previous movie, um, which I think is Beavis and Butthead Do America, right? Do America. This is, and this is Do it's the It's one universe. of the most underrated comedies ever, and that's not hyperbole. It really is. But Mike Judge also brought us things like King of the Hill. King of the Hill. Um, he also brought us Office Space. Uh, he also brought... So, like, he's got a, you know, a list of cult hits and knows <laughs> kind of how stuff. to do uh, modern comedy. So, what did you think about Beavis and Butthead? Do the universe. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I really did. But here's the thing. i got to say this right now. There, I have a, an emotional bias towards Beavis and Butthead. So there's a fandom 
at play here. I wonder. might be clouding my judgment. I wondered. Um, I'm going to have to go firmly in the set it on fire. Fire. Set it on fire. Um, didn't like it or (laughs) yeah i'm I'm gonna go with uh didn't like it uh there's enough here i'll even say like you know medium high side of didn't like it um this just isn't my thing it's just not my thing um so so yeah so talk about it andrew talk about your fandom and what you liked about this movie well i i've seen every episode of beavis and butthead the show when it was on mtv Mm -hmm. yeah and the movie came out beavis and butthead to america that came out, and when did that come out? Maybe if I know how to spell Beavis. Uh, <laughs> you 96, are a fan, after all. 96. I was 10 years old. My parents took me to go see it, so. Nicely so, done, I, parents. I, yeah, yeah. I went and saw Beavis and Butthead Do America. And uh, I. it's one of the funniest movies. My dad and I, we cry, we laugh so hard every time we watch it. Uh, and this, <clears throat> this is a cut copy-paste of Beavis and Butthead to America with new skin on it. That's all it is. It's the exact same, like the same comedy beats, you know, like a, there's an international uh, crisis surrounding these two idiots, mm-hmm. but all they care about is getting laid. Mm-hmm. And that takes them on a journey uh, across, in this case, time and space, as opposed to the first one where it's they wanted to, you know, get laid on a journey across America. So right. it's the exact same thing. He turns into Corn Julio right around the same time as he does in the movie. Uh, the only thing this one doesn't have is there's no music video. That's the only thing that's different. Okay. All right. Because that's what Beavis and Butthead did on MTV is they watched music videos and it was right. kind of like a right. yeah, MST3K yeah, yeah. kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was some of that in the movie, uh, in the first movie, not in this one, yeah. but uh, in the first movie. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. But uh, Mike Judge gets my sense of humor. And Beavis and Butthead is, like, the purest I think Mike Judge has been as far as his comedy. I think King of the Hill is, like, more of a biopic for Mike Judge. Like, I feel like that's really, like, how he felt growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. I think he was Bobby and that Hank was his interpretation interpretation of his dad. Mm-hmm. And that you know, as, as the show progressed, he actually became Hank. Um, but, no, I think that the stupid, raunchy 90s... It, it's literally called Beavis and Butthead humor, you know. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, I eat it up. I eat it up, man, all day. The stupid stuff like I'm a deer or uh, stuff like that <laughs> had me crying. I was laughing. I loved it. I, uh, I, I, the the way I find my way in to this movie is through believing it is satirical, and I think it is. I think Mike Judge knows what he's doing here. Like I think he is satirizing an element of Americana, an element of um, you know, kind of that uh, adolescence uh, yeah. mindset that he's satirizing it in a way, and he's not saying that you know all teenage b- boys are like this. He's saying this is the satirical version of you know, kind of that idea, and watch yeah. me take it as far as I can, so we can yeah. laugh at it and go. But yes, there's some truth underneath, right? Like. So, so, so that is, that is how I find my way in. I have white privilege. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That was funny. That was maybe my favorite scene, uh, was the white privilege scene. Um, and you know, that was, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Teague, uh, Hmm? 
uh, the the comedian oh, Tig Notaro. Notaro was no that was Tig Notaro that was yeah, the, yeah, the that professor was the yeah yeah absolutely professor great yeah. Tig's Tig's great yeah. yeah that whole scene is great the classroom part of it's great <laughs> the after effects are great um, so do you plan on acting differently <laughs> you <laughs> betcha I am <laughs> uh, yes that was easily my favorite and that kind of thing is why I'm able to go okay even though I didn't like it. Like I'm willing to say, like high side of didn't like it because there is there is that comedy that is funny and it is pointed and it is interesting. It's just that so much of it is just repeats over and over and over again, um, and it's the same. It's it's the same joke about them not understanding that the person they're talking to isn't talking about sex uh like that how many times is that it's joke exact, in this it's movie? the exact same thing as the first movie yeah with demi moore's character yeah they, they she is telling them to go plant a bomb on the capitol uh-huh. and they think that she's talking about scoring and stuff exact same jokes but you know the way i look at it i like chocolate ice cream so if i go back in for another <laughs> scoop of chocolate ice cream it's gonna taste just as good you know That's you're not I feel wrong about no i totally get that i totally get that um i i i totally understand that perspective so talk talk some more about the things you love um honestly it's i love the fact that mike judge knows what to prioritize and what not to prioritize with a movie like this like the, there's a whole like the beginning of this movie of them like going to court and then you know being sentenced by a judge to go to space camp. This is Mike Judge saying, "None of this matters. Don't fact check like how you know mm-hmm. a judge could sentence somebody to go to space camp. <laughs> right? Yeah. None of that matters. Or why you know the astronauts would allow two 14 year old kids to man a multi billion dollar." Uh, operation up in space mm-hmm. just for publicity. He's saying that doesn't matter. This is just to get to the funny bits, you know? Mm-hmm. And I like that, but I can also see how somebody like you probably like this is stupid. Like, you're you're wasting my time just to get to funny jokes. Just start with the funny jokes. Is that what you... Uh, I wouldn't say or are you exactly saying that you like can do that. A, or are you saying you could do a funny joke and tell a good story at the same time. I'm saying you can maybe mix it up a little bit. Um, I, you know, yes, the this the storytelling part of it is, you know, there's not a lot there to connect to. It's you know fairly obvious, uh, fairly forced plot points. Um, and again, like you said, it's not like he's trying to hide that. He's you know, it is it's an excuse to uh, watch these. Uh, two pubescent males um, be horny, uh, and yeah. so that's 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 all it is. <laughs> um, you know, so there's ten minutes of them messing around with the docking station because they think it looks sexual, you know, and doing different things or whatever. No, and not ten minutes, <laughs> eighteen hours straight. <laughs> I'm in, in the movie. Uh, sure, but yes, but yeah. <laughs> um, so. And at the same time, I get like I get why that can be funny, and it can be funny to laugh at you know the ridiculous and the profane and the over the top, and you know it's it's almost better than raunch humor that tries to be explicit because it's raunch humor that is basic, like it's this basic level raunch yeah. humor, and I think in some ways that works even better because it can be. It can almost be more innocent or, you know, more simple. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that can be, that can be interesting at least. So, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, things I didn't like. As the movie's not original. It's the exact same thing as the first movie. So if you're going into this wanting something new, like a new adventure with Beavis and Butthead, it, it's the same as the first movie. Yeah. There's pretty much the same jokes, same beats, but I love that. Yeah. So I love the first movie. So, yeah. and I love I love the fish out of water element of it, of putting them in modern times, taking them from 1998, sending them to the future to present time, and they realize the power of a cell phone, and all they do with it is you know buy food. But no, not just food. No. But uh, yeah, they. Bu- I didn't want to spoil it. <laughs> okay, then don't. Yeah, they, you don't have to spoil yeah. it. No, no. And then you know them finding out or not understanding Siri. You know stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's it's great stuff. I love that. Uh, the the alien versions of mm-hmm. them. Uh, ah, I could have done without. Yeah, because it didn't add anything to the movie. I although mean, I did, I, honestly, although I did it, enjoy it, it, the uh, very humorous, very humorous, yeah, lighthearted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I mean, you say that it didn't add anything to the movie, but it really, literally, is the only thing that that makes the story go. <laughs> like at the end of the day, like the, the alien versions are the only uh, pieces that um, actually give us some sort of coherent uh, beginning, middle, and end. Uh, so yeah, Aaron, yeah. I got an important question for you. Uh huh. Have you ever seen a show called Touched by an Angel? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was funny too. You're convincing me that I thought this movie was funnier than I remember. It is funny. It can be a bad movie. He's hilarious. You can say you can say that this is a bad movie, and I won't have any problem with that. Okay. I don't think that knowing you personally, I think you can say that this is a funny movie. Yes. While it being bad at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I definitely think that's that's how you approach it. And honestly, it's not stealing too much of your time. It's under ninety minutes. Like it's yeah. you know, it's a quick watch. The only caveat um, is it's only on Paramount Plus. That is correct. That is correct. It is only on Paramount Plus. <laughs> you, said Mount. you said mount. You said mount. Mount. See, see, we could write it. We could just write the movie and uh, and be done with it. That's not true. How, by the how way. difficult is it to sound that dumb? Like to come up with jokes that dumb? It's got to be hard. <laughs> you said hard. To- <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> See? See, not that. Difficult. I guess it isn't. I guess it isn't. That's so. all you got to do. That's all you got to yeah, do. That's a- Just lots of double entendres. <laughs> uh, nice. All right, that is Beavis and Butthead. Do the universe. Any final words on that before we move on? Uh, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. You know? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, Before we hit the best ever challenge, a thank you to our Sif Pop members. Thank you to Sif Pop members for supporting what goes on Sif Pop. Uh, You can do that at Patreon, patreon.com slash Sift Pop. And you, at different levels, get different fun perks, like an (gasps) ad-free podcast feed. Ooh. With bonus podcasts uh, thrown in there, uh, almost every week we do a bonus podcast. So you can check that out at patreoncom siftpop S I F T P O P, and uh, appreciate it. Thanks for checking it yes. out. At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, All right, let's move into the best ever challenge. We're doing best ever musical biopics. So these are our favorites of the musical biopic genre. Uh, Andrew is real. He's realizing he hasn't seen a lot of these because uh, he yeah. thought it was just biopics. Uh, but no, music. Man, biopics. I had some good ones picked out for just biopics. I'm sure you did. I'm sure we we're going to talk Braveheart. We were going <laughs> to. <laughs> uh, well, let's go from number five to number one. Uh, you can trump if you have it higher. What did you have at number five, Andrew? Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you like liked that more than I did, even. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Because actually, I remember when we reviewed this, you came away not liking it. All yeah, that I much, didn't like didn't it you? very much. Yeah, uh, it's the fifth greatest biopic of all time. I think. <laughs> there you go. Because I nice. apparently have only seen five. Um, no, I think that uh, yes, the movie does fabricate a whole lot about Fa- Freddie Mercury's life, but I think that for as good as Austin Butler is playing Elvis. I think Rami Malek is leagues better somehow at becoming Freddie Mercury. I think it was it was great to see him work and to transform into that musical genius. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I personally really enjoy Bohemian Rhapsody. Your uh, number five. My number five, I think, is a better performance than Austin Butler or um, Rami Malek, mm. and that is Taron Egerton. As Elton John in Rocket the Man. Rocket Man. I thought um, you would have had this higher for as much as you love it. I do love it, uh, but I also love several other musical biopics as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think Taron Edgerton is amazing in this. Uh, I do give him extra props for singing all the music, um, performing it as uh, Elton John. Um, I think this movie is constructed really interestingly and done well. Um, and got a good sense for uh, Elton, his music, and his life. So, yeah, it's... That's my number five is Rocket Man. Nice. Uh, number four, what do you got? Uh, this is one of the happiest movies you will ever see in your life. It's Adrian Brody's The Pianist. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. yes, very, very uh, uplifting. Yes, exactly. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's a Vladislav. Uh, uh, it was, it's a, about a Jewish pianist uh, during mm-hmm. World War II in... Uh, Warsaw ghettos. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously, I was joking about it being a happy movie. This movie is incredibly depressing. And uh, this movie is famous for Adrian Brody winning an Oscar over uh, Daniel Day Lewis in Kings of New York. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
That's the most interesting bit of trivia I have for it is that <laughs> he should not have won <laughs> for as good as he is. Yeah. This is a great movie, though. It really is. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a rough watch, though. Uh, let's see. I will go to 2015 for my number four. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Straight Outta Compton. Um, uh, as your number four? As my number four. Same. Oh, all right. Well, let's talk about it then. Yeah. Um, I think this movie is phenomenal. I think so O.J. Good. Jackson Jr. is a revelation. Um, I think the, what this movie does to let you into this world in a complete way feels authentic. It's never distracting. Everything feels real. Um, really great stuff going uh, going on here. Uh, Corey Hawkins as Dr. Dre is also amazing. Um, yeah. Just lots of lots of great performances. Lots of good stuff. So. Yeah. This yeah, Straight Outta Compton I think had the perfect uh, portion size of music, politics, and uh, uh, like a you know drama within mm-hmm. the group. It, it handled everything for the right amount of time. I think it's a brilliantly told movie. Yep, yep. That is yeah. Straight Outta Compton, and where else are you going to get Lakeith Stanfield playing Snoop Dogg? Um, I don't know. You tell me. Nowhere, nowhere, Andrew. Not a single place. Uh, all right, on to our number threes then. So I guess back to, wait, to me then? No, to you, wait, hold on. I thought you went first. So how was Straight Outta Compton your number four and you didn't say it? Did oh, I just go I out guess of order? It, I guess it was my number three. Okay, all right, yeah. all right. So, but yeah, so now it's your number three, I guess. So we'll go to my number three. Yes, yes. I got a little confused there. Uh, it's, it's, on, it's my fault. So you, you had Bohemian Rhapsody at five. Then the pianist, pianist, and then my four, number three, straight out, of straight out Compton was three. Okay, all right. So technically, yeah. you should have trumped me, and then we talked about it. Um, yeah, but that's fine. Ah. Uh, my number three is Walk the Line. Trump. Um, yeah, I think I figured you might. <laughs> there we go. Uh, there we go. All right. What is your number two? Walk the line. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we did it right this time. Yeah, that's how we're supposed to do it. Um. Yeah, I think that this is like the best way to do like a full life biopic. Mm. I think that you know, uh, it's pretty amazing off, stuff. It's really good. Um, you know, John C. Riley is. Oh wait, no, that's the wrong movie. Um, <laughs> um, I think that yeah, he Johnny Cash. I think uh, for, uh, growing up around here in the Ozarks, especially like he was a god. I know it was he wasn't from the area, but you know, whenever you live in the Ozarks. And you're talking about country music legends, mm-hmm. you know, Johnny Cash, he was everywhere. The day he died, actually, uh, I was, a, I think it was a freshman in high school, the day he passed away, or actually it might have been my sophomore year. Um, the school had like a, a moment of silence, like over the loudspeaker in all mm-hmm. the classes. Like, a, it was a big deal. Yeah. He was a big deal. So, uh, but uh, it's Joaquin Phoenix, one of the greatest actors working ever, so... Yeah, it's great. And then, of course, Reese Witherspoon. I agree. I think the performances are amazing. Um, I think the the story is told really expertly. Um, I think this is a fabulous movie. Uh, if you have not seen Walk the Line, huge, huge recommend. And unlike Elvis, Walk the Line it really shows the flaws, mm-hmm. like in the in the personal demons and torments that you know uh, the musician went through. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
All right, that was my number two. So you're number two. My number two is the life story of Jonathan Larson, uh, as played by Andrew Garfield. Uh, my number two is Tick Tick Boom. <sighs> yeah, that would have knocked. That would have knocked a couple off my list. Uh, if I would have so, thought of it. Yeah, it's re- obviously really recent. Um, maybe a little bit of recency bias here. I no, love this it's, movie. It's that good. I've watched this movie so many times already. Uh, I listen to the soundtrack all the time. Um, I think this is such an expertly told story of um, what Jonathan Larson was going through and then telling it in a way that is inspiring about what it means to create, what it means to keep going. The fact that all this amazingness that we're seeing ends up with a try again next time is just one of the most brilliant uh, things I've ever seen about the creative process. Uh, Andrew Garfield is clearly astonishing in this. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, that is my number two. Actually, that probably would have been my number one. Really? It It really probably probably would have been my number one. I was thinking solely from the the recording artist viewpoint. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Yeah. yeah, it probably would have been my number one. Yep. Well, there you go. Uh, So what is your... I think we're on to our number ones. So what is your number one? Uh, Eight Mile. I have it in my honorable mentions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But uh, I I, I was torn calling this a biopic. Yeah. But I think think so much of it is, you know, Marshall's life. Absolutely. Like I said, I had it in my honorable mentions. And it's so focused on a certain point. That yeah. you can change the character's name to Rabbit, and uh, but this was his life. So mm-hmm. um, it, "Lose Yourself" is probably like one of the best songs ever made for us uh, for a movie. Mm-hmm. So good that they randomly put it in a couple years ago's Oscars performances, <laughs> like yeah. out of nowhere. Just out of which nowhere. I did not complain one bit. I nope. remember you. I think that was the that was the first year uh, we actually had to record over the. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we did live or, reaction. Yeah, yeah, and we're like, "Wait, this is happening!" <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good movie. It really is. It really is, and like you said, maybe it's stretching the category a little bit, but not really. This is Eminem's story in many ways. So I only so, knew yeah. well apparently now six musical biopics. So, <laughs> so there you go. Your number one. Uh, my number what is one your number one? Is Amadeus. Uh, is oh, my yeah. number one. Um, having just recently seen this over the last couple of years, this movie is phenomenal. Um, Probably should have had this on my list. Too. It is so good. Uh, there's such a manic energy um, and kind of the the just the Beethoven Salieri, you know, rivalry is just so fun. One sided rivalry. <laughs> yes. No. And that's kind of what makes it super interesting, right? Like. Yeah. Um. Yeah. High. High. Recommend if you haven't seen Amadeus. So many great scenes. So many great moments. Um, oh, the really scene impressive where stuff. Uh, uh, the Salieri wrote the uh, the the music for uh, Beethoven to play for the king on that mm-hmm. little piano. He's like, oh, I just kind of replay this little bit over and over again, uh-huh. right? Like, yeah. he doesn't realize he's demeaning Salieri's work. You know? Right. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. This is. Yeah. That's probably within my number three ish. 
probably. Yeah, yeah. So, no, Amadeus yeah. is, is so, really good. So goodbye, the pianist of Bohemian Rhapsody. You have been replaced <laughs> by Tick Boom and Amadeus. Uh, I would mention a couple others in honorable mentions. Um, yeah. Ray, I think, is worth mentioning. I haven't uh, seen Ray. It's it's really good. It's really good. In fact, many people would probably have it on their list. Um, mm. It is that good. Uh, Love and Mercy, uh, which is about Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, uh, is more recent. I think that is a criminally overlooked uh, musical biopic. Um, That's the one that has really both good. John Cusack and uh, what's-his-face just played the Riddler. Um. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It has John Cusack and the Riddler. Uh. In the <laughs> in the movie. Uh. As the Riddler, you're Paul Dano and John Cusack. Paul Dano. Thank you. Uh. Playing Brian Wilson. So I've yeah. heard that that's actually a criminally underlooked movie. It, it really mean, is. I haven't um, seen it. And uh, also includes uh Paul Giamatti, uh, Giamatti uh making an appearance in a musical biopic as he tends to do every once in a while. He was also in uh, Straight Straight, Straight Outta Compton. Compton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the only other one I wanted to mention, I think is also overlooked is get on up. Uh, did you ever see get on up? That's the, uh, that's the, uh, Brown one, isn't it? Uh, yes. James Brown. James um, Brown. Yeah, yeah. Chadwick Boseman plays James Brown and he is absolutely astonishing. Um, Viola Davis is Susie Brown. Octavia Spencer is in it. Dan Aykroyd. Um, it's a really impressive film. Mulroney's Black Bottom is an August Wilson play, but it's it's not a biopic play, is it? No, I don't think so. I don't think that okay. that. I mean, you, I guess you could stretch the category to count it, maybe. Um, uh, but I've already stretched it enough with the Island <laughs> stuff. So that was and, more just me cu- being curious. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, check out uh, Get On Up, especially if you haven't seen that Chadwick uh, performance. Um, it is definitely worth your time. So yeah, get on up was was worth a mention. I think so. Uh, there you go, best ever musical biopics. Um, and we will move on to the buried treasure. Buried treasure. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture, Andrew, that you want to make sure people know about before we go? You want me to go first? I can go first if you want. Oh, I'll let you go first because I went first on the. Buried treasure. I've been playing video games uh, again. Uh, got well, uh, video games for me. I'm a Nintendo kid. I uh, got myself a Switch. One of my boys uh, upgraded to the OLED Switch, and so I need to find my they uh, they live glasses to see if you're really an alien. <laughs> see, see if I'm an alien. Yeah. Uh, so I got myself back into Nintendo games, and this game has been out for. In fact, I think it released with the original Switch. So like, this has been out a long time. I understand this, but I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey, um, oh, and playing okay. playing quite a bit. I think this is a really fun platformer. Uh, the hat mechanic is kind of the mm. new mechanic. It adds where you're like tossing your hat onto different creatures that you then become, or you're tossing it on different things to do stuff. Um, it's kind of this like living animated hat creature, and I think that mechanic adds a lot of new fun stuff. Uh, there was a moment where I was just exploring and realized there was a Trinosaurus Rex coming after me and freaked <laughs> me out. And then I thought, wait a second. I wonder if I can become the Trinosaurus Rex. Uh, and I was able to. Um, so playing Mario as a T-Rex was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, lots of fun in this game. I'm, you know, I'm about seven worlds in, really enjoying finding all the little you know, uh, stars and moons. I think it's technically moons in this game. Um, 
But yeah, man, I love a good Mario platformer, and this one's a ton of fun. So I thought I'd mention it. I know it's old. I know if you like this kind of stuff, you probably already played all the way through it and have 100%ed everything, but I did want to let you know I'm playing it and really enjoying no, it. No, hearing that you're playing video games is like one of the most shocking things. Like You could have told me that you're getting divorced and I would have been less shocked than you telling me that you were getting... <laughs> no, it's not actually that, been... Not, that's not me saying that you and Jen's relationship is not solid <laughs> as a rock. That's more the fact that this is so outlandish that I can't believe it. Well, it's interesting you mentioned because one of the re- reasons we got it was... Uh, uh, playing Mario Kart together, um, which is something we used to enjoy oh, doing, yeah. and so we've been playing Mario Kart Eight together and with other friends and online, and it's really fun. So that's actually the reason we got it was um, to have some uh, something to to do. So yeah, to spice mm-hmm. up the marriage because that's you know, right. We're going that's right. Together. Yeah, yeah. You got I get it. that. <laughs> uh, uh, Andrew, what is me? your buried treasure? Aaron, I don't know if I've ever told you this about me. Um, I used to be a nationally competitive paintball player. Like is this I was true? Of, is this true? Yeah. Is this real right now? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to travel around the U.S. on a team. We would play in a national league. And uh, I had so much fun. It was a huge part of my life. I'm actually getting back into paintball. And with that, I wanted to recommend... People, because a lot of people just have this stereotypical idea mm-hmm. of what paintball is like. You know, you go in the woods and stuff like that. Uh, the national circuit is nothing like that. It's like on a soccer field, and you have inflatable bunkers, and you have 30 minutes on the clock, and it's to beat the other team as mm-hmm. many times as you can. It's called the National X-Ball League. Okay. Or the NXL. Um I, I'm obviously not recommending people go and, and join, you know, the NXL or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you can go and you can watch the professionals play. I, I was never a professional. I wasn't even close. Um, these are like insanely athletic people. Like they can run the forty yard, like pretty close to a four. You know, mm-hmm. like they're they're up there with like a wide receivers and stuff. Yeah, very athletic people, but. Um, there are some amazing teams. Uh, it's called the NXL, but it's actually becoming more international now. Uh, it has been for a long time. There's a team from Moscow who, if you're watching on YouTube, there's a picture below us. That's uh, the Red Legion. That's the uh, Moscow Red Legion. Um, amazing team. San Diego Dynasty, Baltimore, Trauma, uh, Edmonton Impact. It's it's amazing to see a high-level um competition in the sport because it's unlike anything you've ever seen you can go to youtube uh the youtube channel that has most of these uh backlogged events there's been three events this year there's been one in florida texas and they just wrapped one up last week in philadelphia which was going to be my buried treasure last week but i wasn't here um (laughs) but uh yeah so you can go on ghost sports it's a youtube channel or you can just type in nxl paintball and you can get a a whole plethora of videos you can watch and it is a lot of fun i'm actually uh, rebuilding a couple of my old paintball guns right now and i have a new one coming in the mail any minute so there you go nxl paintball very nice check out that on youtube and mario super mario odyssey is on the nintendo switch uh we did a podcast andrew congratulations podcasting has happened i can't believe it but i'm so proud of you call the papers Headline, (laughs) breaking news, Uh, (laughs) a podcast happened. 
thank you so much for joining us today for Sip Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Huge thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. <laughs> you said deuce. <laughs> <laughs> Much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month, and you get access to bonus episodes, some other fun perks, uh, monthly video hangouts, all that kind of fun stuff. You can check it out at the page on Patreon, patreon.com slash Pop. Uh, lots of ways to connect with us. You can leave a comment, a rating, or a review at uh, Apple Podcasts, or you can email us, feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too, so let them know about it, and then that listening is much easier than docking the space station after burning out both of your retinas. Uh, <laughs> we will be back... So stupid. N- <laughs> so stupid. We'll be back next week with some Minions talk, probably, and, uh, and more, so right. we will see you then. Bye! At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.